I grew up on the same council estate as my grandparents and many of my cousins. Yeya and Bapu, my grandparents, looked after us kids many times. A house full of my 25-plus cousins. They were a major influence in my upbringing and contributed to my core values. Our family motto was, never give up and never give in, a slogan that later saved my life. As a child, I did many activities, including gymnastics and dance, and always played well with other kids. I didn't lack confidence, but have always been an introverted extrovert. In my adolescence, I crossed paths with an individual who went on to harass, stalk and physically assault me on numerous occasions over time. I didn't realise the full gravity of my situation until I became a mother, and particularly when I started learning more about psychology. I read about the red flags that identify very dangerous individuals and about the countless other women whose stalkers went on to do them serious harm. These case studies really brought home to me the danger I was in, as they described the very same patterns of behaviour, language and situations I was experiencing. The harassment began when I tried to set a boundary after he behaved in a way that was not okay with me. His reaction was terrifying, and from that moment on, once that mask had slipped, I was thrown into a world I once thought I would never escape. Threatening calls and texts were a daily occurrence, as was him turning up unannounced in places I was known to be. I did call the police on a few occasions, but at the time stalking was not considered a crime on its own and I was told that this was all probably just to try to scare me. I was left feeling let down, like I was exaggerating or wasting police time, so even when things did escalate, I didn't call them again. Like many survivors, I felt shame, and because of that, I hid most of what was happening from my family, although they knew about some of it. They didn't know the worst things, though and this was because I feared for their safety and that their reaction might make things even worse. True or not, that's what I felt, because that's what I'd been told would happen by my abuser, and I was only a teenager. Through all these public encounters, only two people helped me. One was a cab driver who pulled up next to me and told me to jump in his cab. The other was a woman who actually walked right up to me and told me to get in her car. And with total conviction, she said something to him that made him pause and back off. I can't remember what it was, but her presence shifted things and gave me an escape. That amazing, brave lady demonstrated a power that still inspires me now. And I will never forget her. There were so many other incidents, too many to list, but a handful have really stayed with me. They weren't always physical confrontations, but they were all terrifying and the harassment felt relentless. As a result, I became a shadow of my former self, and a ball of extreme anxiety all the time. Sometimes that would result in me acting out, and other times in me becoming a complete recluse. I stopped attending school regularly in year 11, and my grades slipped. I didn't even turn up to one of my exams. I was labelled as a troubled teenager by my educators. No one knew or bothered to look deeper. These experiences sent me into a spiral and took over my life. I felt embarrassed, weak and stupid. So I just kept it all in, or made out I wasn't feeling as terrible as I was inside. 
I even normalised this man's behaviours. Eventually, for various reasons, his interest in me fizzled out and I managed to get away. But I continued to avoid going to certain places and I just wanted to be with people all the time. I became codependent, which in turn suffocated my relationships. That uneasy feeling of looking over my shoulder was there all the time, and it was most intense when I was alone. When I became a single mother, I began to have panic attacks at night. I was afraid of being alone in my flat with my baby boy. I started to have more frequent nightmares and flashbacks while I was awake. Hearing a certain song, even queuing for a train, could trigger them. It became apparent that the fear I had felt was still in full force. I ended up making a lot of excuses to stay at my parents' house, just so I could sleep at night. 